0: really cool to see women identify and solve their own problems because women are so resilient and powerful and hardworking and humble, just incredible problem solvers. And they will never quit in pursuing the resolution of the challenges that they find when given these opportunities. That was Kayla
1: Nolan, and this is the Running on Own Podcast. Hey, everyone, welcome to or welcome back to the Running on Own Podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm really grateful that you've chosen to tune in today. Here on the Running on Own Podcast, we feature long form style conversations with women in endurance sports and in the outdoors. Although these conversations focus on women's stories in particular, this podcast is for everyone to listen to, for everyone to hopefully be inspired and empowered by. Today's conversation is with a woman I consider to be a superwoman. Her name is Kayla Nolan. Kayla is the executive director of the Girls Gotta Run Foundation and a runner herself. I first met Kayla in the fall of 2014 when you were both working and living in Ethiopia. The organization I worked for was a sister organization to Girls Gotta Run Foundation, which she leads. So what does Girls Gotta Run Foundation do? Well, the depth and impact of the program is really beyond words. But just to give you a short understanding of it, Girls Gotta Run Foundation has an athletic scholarship program and two sites in Ethiopia and Soto and Bakoji that invests in young women and their mothers that integrates education, athletics, life skills, savings, and entrepreneurship. As a collegiate runner herself, Kayla first got connected with Girls Gotta Run in 2009 when she received a research scholarship and decided to travel to Ethiopia to learn from the young Ethiopian runners there. Since 2009, Kayla has increased the size of the organization by 10 times, designed a new program impact model, and increased the program size by seven times. Kayla is a powerhouse, if that's not clear already. And in this conversation, you'll understand why Kayla was drawn to work in Ethiopia, how she's transformed a nonprofit organization to have a local and global impact, And we also discuss our journey making our film, The Bokoji 100. We recorded this podcast early March at the No Man's Land Film Festival, where we actually premiered our film, The Bokoji 100. Now a lot has changed in the world since early March with COVID-19, and many of the film festivals that we had on tap have been canceled. So we got the idea to actually share the film with all of you live, premiere it online, global running day, Wednesday, June 3rd. Mark the date, and the film's 15 minutes long. We'll do a Q&A with us, the filmmakers, after, and more details for that are coming on my Instagram on Girls Gotta Run Foundation's website, so stay tuned, and we'd love to share it with you. I spoke with Kayla on the phone last week, and she expressed that if you have the means to support Girls Gotta Run Foundation in any way right now during COVID-19, the families and athletes of Girls Gotta Run would love your support, and I'll link to that in this episode's show notes. During the month of May, I'm also hosting a series of online podcast conversations called the Rue Roundtable Series with past Rue guests. The first week was a total blast with Claire Gallagher and Abby Levine, and I hope you'll join us this week on Thursday, May 14th. I'll have on two past podcast guests, Kate Grace and Nicole Antoinette. You'll also get the opportunity to ask questions of these amazing women, the event is 60 minutes long, it's free, it's on Zoom, and to learn more, visit runninganome.com slash events. I was really inspired to create the Rebound Table because I believe now more than ever, authentic conversation coming together as community is so, so important. I know that this time of COVID-19 is impacting people in so many different ways, and just my hearts and my thoughts are with all of you. If today's episode with Kayla resonates, reach out on Instagram. I always love to hear from all of you. Okay, friends, let's do this. Let's dive deep with the powerhouse, Kayla Nolan. doing the thing yeah I'm like we're already talking about such good things let's just turn on the mic rip off the band-aid Kayla so Kayla I am so excited to have you Um, thank you I'm excited to be here yeah and this weekend is exciting for us for a lot of reasons absolutely one of them being that we're premiering a film that we've been working on for years no kidding (laughs) a really long time But before this film, like you've been hustling in your work with Girls Gotta Run Foundation for eight to nine years now?
0: Yeah, I think it's been eight. Um, Maybe this is the ninth year. I'm not sure. It's been a long time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of blurred. Yeah. But I want you to first go back to how did you first hear about Girls Gotta Run Foundation? Like what was literally the first moment that you knew, oh, there's something happening in Ethiopia with young women runners?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, I was in college, and uh, there was an opportunity to apply for a research scholarship, um, Richter scholarship at Occidental College. And I was a runner, um, ran in high school, was running in college. And I thought as an independent research study, it'd be really interesting to look into how women were affected by running in a society where running is a deep part of the culture. Um, and they have like such a impressive legacy nationally. So, um, I was looking at different countries actually, uh, to do this research in. And my first one was Kenya. And, um, I thought that'd be a great place to really study the culture of running and how that's affecting women. And, um, then there was a lot of political violence in Kenya at the time. And so we weren't able to secure um a travel grant for that location. So then I started thinking, okay, changing gears, where should I go? I could go to Ethiopia or I could go to Jamaica was one of the places I was thinking. And um, you know, I was thinking about the running culture in Jamaica around more around sprinting and being a slow runner myself, <laughs> and of course, this is your decision-making process, like when you're an undergrad, um, I was just thinking, I don't think I'm going to be able to like relate as much or feel as connected just on the one-on-one level with this type of sport um, around sprinting and everything and in, in that culture, um, and that might affect my research or my comfort level in engaging in a different culture like around this topic. Um, so I just decided to, okay, let's just see what's happening in Ethiopia. But at the time, it was really closed off. Um, so there's very few organizations working there, very few people um, talking about sport for development um, and girls in sport in Ethiopia. Um, and a lot of people... Uh, weren't doing research there because there was limited English use and limited internet. And like, it was just a much more challenging environment. So that's really how I found Girls Gotta Run is they were one of the only organizations working with girl runners in the country. And so I started reaching out to any organization working with this group of individuals because it is such a challenging endeavor, just trying to access communities where you could talk with people about their experience Um, and and really connect with the systems that they're part of and the communities that they're part of and how can you dive into that through um, a mutual connection as opposed to just on your own. Uh, So that's how I got in touch with Girl Sky Run, but it had been around since 2006, 2007. It was all volunteer organization and was basically just providing – athletic gear and athletic support to teams of girls and women in Ethiopia and providing like an academic subsidy and everything. But it was mostly focused on a team dynamic as opposed to um, having it be entrenched in a school or other community. So it was a lot of professional level athletes or aspiring professional athletes that uh, got in touch with to try and do this research, make this research happen. So that was kind of how I first got in touch with them. I think that was in 2009. So
1: it's a while back. (laughs) And so going back, I want to return, you know, two girls got to run foundation and explain what it is, but why, like why in your story, what in your background compelled you to want to work with women and work with running and work with community building in this way? Yeah. Great question.
0: (laughs) Sometimes I wonder that myself. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what brought me into this? Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I think looking back, you can kind of see the pieces come together. But when you're in it, you know, it's just one interest at a time. And or it seemed kind of like a approachable place to enter uh, this research field. But my mom was a runner, Um recreationally. And I just remember our family was so proud of her crossing the finish line. As a kid, I remember being there and cheering for her. And I think there's something that you recognize like, oh, we're, we're proud of this. You know what I mean? Like you, you register like, okay, mom is running and she finished a race and we're all proud and we're cheering for her. And something just clicks in your mind. Like this is, being positively reinforced and it makes her happy. And then I get to join and I would run with her as a kid and or, like, bicycle with her. Um, and then, you know, you grow up and, like, things change in your family and in your life and you're not a kid anymore and those kind of connections start to change. And in middle school, um, I started running again because I was being bullied a lot in school um, and there was no place to really go. My parents were divorced and I had, my mom was picking me up late. She was working. So you have like this whole time period that you need to fill and after school and where do you go that's safe, that people won't bother you or you won't get bullied or harassed or anything. Um, And so I started going to the track to just like hide out (laughs) and like have lunch or like you know just hang just a place to go to get away from people and then just started jogging on the track and when I was there um uh a girl who was running in high school ran by and she saw me a couple of times and she was like why don't you run in high school when you graduate you know and you can run on this team and All of that, and I never really thought about doing that. I'd done sports a lot as a kid, but um, kind of fell out of it through adolescence. And uh, running was a fun way to kind of come back to that. So when I was in high school, um, I got back into running and joined cross country, but I was a very young high school student and not a great runner. And so I just became kind of like the last in the pack, just like trying to keep up and trying to run. But eventually, you know, you get better and you get stronger, but you meet so many amazing people along the way. And I found a community of people that I was safe and comfortable with. Um, And that, you know, some of those people are still my friends today. And it was kind of a thorough line that carried me a lot of places like into college um you know I ran as well and it was a way to find colleges too is where can I run where can I be part of this community um my parents like didn't uh kind of first gen my mom went to school or went to college online later in life um but you know, we didn't know what we were doing (laughs) in applying to schools and running was kind of a nice way to understand the culture of a place and could I fit there and how would I, you know, um, learn and work with people and is this the right place for me and um, running is a great way to understand that, you know, Uh, and so I guess I just kind of stayed connected with that personally and then this was a real opportunity where, I could look into personal research um, and I decided to just kind of dive into that part of my life because it might be a way that I could translate um, my feelings around sport and my own personal exploration in sport with other girls and women that might also be exploring that. Um even if we don't speak the same language or we're from the same background, but this is something that we share and that might really benefit the research that I'm doing. So that was kind of my first tiptoe in taking it outside of anything personal. You know, it was always my own kind of side project, (laughs) you know, in my own lifestyle thing. But that was really the first time where I thought, maybe this could translate into something, you know, outside of my personal life. And what would that look like? And does that have value in kind of
1: exploring that concept? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much richness in your story that I love (laughs) to hear. Because I think it's really easy to look at you and to just see Girls Gotta Run Foundation as, you know, your work. But you also have... story as a runner and as a human and I mean you've done (laughs) so much for that organization but I also want to understand a little bit more did you have female mentors or role models whether it be in the running space or academic space or just in general that were kind of guiding the way for you
0: yeah because you guide the way for a lot of people oh thank you including myself (laughs) (laughs) thanks well I'm honored for you know I don't know. I'm I feel really privileged to be able to like do what I do with Girls Gotta Run and I've met so many amazing, incredible, inspiring women, including yourself. So it's really like my honor to work with you guys and I don't know, just be able to do this all the time is really fun. <laughs> so um, but thank you. Um you know, it's interesting though with with female mentors in the running space, honestly I didn't really feel like I fit in the running space. Um, I was never very fast. Um, I mean, I was competent, but I wasn't running, um, you know, at an like impressive pace at any point in my career um, running wise, and um, I never I never really felt like I was 100 percent a runner, quote, quote, um, which of course is a classic, like, uh, scenario for runners. (laughs) Um, it's like very few runners who identify as a runner comfortably. It's really interesting. Um, for so many reasons too, like there's always complications, like how much you run, how fast you run, what does your body look like? You know, what, what, um, gender are you? What race are you? What economic background are you? That seemed to be like barriers to us accepting that we're part of that community. But yeah, I always kind of felt like I was on the outside of that. So I didn't have a ton of running related female mentors. I kind of almost felt like maybe with Girls Gotta Run too, that these were girls that also didn't feel like they were well represented in the running community, despite contributing a lot to it. Um, and Ethiopia has contributed enormously to what it means globally to be a long distance runner, what you can achieve in that sport, um, what it even means to be a woman runner, uh, Particularly to be a woman in Ethiopia. You know, running has redefined that, and women have done that through the sport. So I think it was really interesting where you kind of bring those pieces together where you might not necessarily feel like you fit in, but then you're constantly working in this field. It's been very interesting. I mean, now I have a ton of inspiring women that, you know, I look up to and, um, are just so, I'm just so impressed following their careers and their passions and like the way they go about their lives. But in the beginning, I think I kind of followed this almost like I was getting away with it. You know what I mean? Like people would let me run and that was fun, you know, and I could get away with being on these teams and get away with being friends with everyone. Um, But it wasn't because I was fast. It was just because we were friends now and I liked running and this was what we could do together. But it's kind of been a journey in understanding, like, where do I fit in to running? Because I still run. I love running. It's my personal life, you know? Um, But it's, I never would have imagined it would become my professional life at all. It yeah, I don't think high school Kayla would have ever thought that. <laughs> so it's just interesting, um, you know, being part of that and thinking about, like, these running female mentors. They seem so a part of the running community, you know? Um, and, and luckily, Girls got around Run and I get to be a part of this conversation now, too, and it's really fun to participate in that. But in the beginning, I really didn't feel like, you know, even thinking about looking towards running mentors didn't even really come to my mind you know I wasn't thinking in that sector running was kind of like part of it but there's so much more to what Girls Gotta Run brings to the table that I was really interested in and running was kind of um a piece of
1: that yeah tell me about that first time you went to Ethiopia oh my god (laughs) it was really crazy that
0: was a crazy time um yeah, the night before I flew out, I was like, am I going to die? Like, was this a bad idea? <laughs> I was so unprepared because, I mean, this was back when Ethiopia had very limited internet. So there are no Airbnbs or like, you know, internet listings on hotels or Yelp reviews of stuff or anything like that. So I was just looking in Lonely Planet, like finding a hostel that could I could afford with my, you know, measly... Um, funding coming from the scholarship and everything. So I was looking for like affordable places to stay and I had very few connections there, but a friend of a friend um, connected me with someone who had Ethiopian family in um, who were living in Addis. He was going to school with us. Shout out to Nebu. Thank you so much. Um, but his family lived in Ethiopia and they had um or his like cousin, and his cousin was about my age, and and they were like, okay, well, we'll come and pick you up from the airport, um, you know, and make sure everything goes okay and everything. So that was really great. But other than that, I just had no idea what I was doing. I was going by myself, and I was 19. And this was my first time traveling alone abroad like this. <laughs> it was pretty uh, interesting. I didn't really tell my parents that I would gotten the scholarship until like I had received it 100% and was planning on going. Like I just didn't want any barriers to me going. It was just one of those things where you just kind of pull the trigger on it. But the night before I was like, wow, did I make a really bad choice? And then – um. Luckily, I didn't. It was great. But I get to the airport the next day um, when I fly in, and I'm wearing this, like, University of Washington shirt, and my friend, Nebu, he's from Washington as well, and so his cousin comes up to me, and he's like, are you Kayla? Like, because we have no way of sharing photos with each other. Like, I have not spoken to this person over email, over anything. Like, Nebu just got in touch with them, and they're supposed to meet me at the airport somehow, so... I'm in the airport and he comes up to me and he's like, "Yeah, are you Kayla?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's me. Like, are you Teddy?" You know? And he and he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "How did you know who I was?" And like, you're the only white chick here wearing, like, and you're wearing a U- University of Washington shirt. Like, I just assumed, you know. And it was just one of those things that now Ethiopia is just so different, you know. It's just so open and it's really become such an incredible international hub in Addis. But um, this was still when they were really closed off you know, to the international community. So it was just a really different environment. Um, But Teddy, you know, he's my age. He's in college. um, And he takes me to the hostel that I was supposed to go to. And he's like, this is horrific. You can never stay here. Like, we are not having you stay here. This is terrifying. I'm like, okay, I'm just totally out of it. Like I can't there's donkeys in the road. Like I'm totally out of it. I have no idea what's going on, you know? I'm like, okay, just whatever you say is fine. <laughs> and and then he goes, Okay, we'll go to this other hotel and it's a little guest house and it's really nice. And he's like, There's no way you're staying here either. It's so expensive. Like, how are you gonna afford this? So we just go back to his house, his family's house. And I thought we were just gonna kinda like wait it out and he's like, We'll just hang out here and then I'll look up some more places to go or make some calls and stuff. So I'm hanging out there and I'm talking with his mom, Freya, and we're chilling. And then I'm like, okay, well, I should probably head out someplace. I don't know where I'm going, but I should probably get there before it's dark, you know, and figure this out. And she's like, oh no, you're staying here now. Like you're a part of our family now. Like you need to stay here. And I'm like, there's no way. This is crazy. You know, I can't, do that, like, this is your home, you know what I mean? But she wouldn't have it done any other way, so I stayed with them for two months in like a little guest room in their home. Um, it was a really small, like, closet that I stayed in, it had a bed, um, but it was basically a closet. And they pretty much taught me like how to live in Addis, um, which is a miracle. I don't know how I was planning on doing all this by myself, um, clearly had no idea what I was getting into. But Free a would take me around town to my appointments for my, um, you know, interviews and stuff. And we take the minibus and she'd show me all the neighborhoods and, like, how to call a minibus and how to ask for all of this stuff. And, you know, people, like, weren't really speaking as much English or I wasn't in the neighborhoods where people were speaking English. So you have to learn a lot of them hard to get by and, like, the slang of how to move around the city and, like, where to go and... It was just this hilarious adventure where Frey would help me, but then she also wanted to, like, kind of show me off as, like, this, like, look who just dropped into my house. This random chick is, like, a friend of my brother's son. You know what I mean? And it was this whole thing. And so I was, like, kind of on tour, like, on parade to her neighbors as, like, the funny friend that's staying with me, you know? And so it was this constant balance of, like, okay, Frey, like... I'll go to your friend's house and we'll do this whole thing. And then like, and then we would flip and then you would like help me. And it was hilarious. And like, she barely spoke English and I barely spoke Amharic. So we were just kind of like getting by, really enjoying the small communication wins. Um, And it was just a blast. But yeah, that was my first like couple months there on research as I was just staying with the family and like trying to understand Addis and, the culture and the girls that we were working with and just writing a lot um, and running a lot and just kind of listening, spending a lot of time just listening, um, hearing what people were interested in talking with me about in regards to um, the empowerment of women through running um, in Ethiopia and like how have the wins in athletics – on the international level from Ethiopia affected like the everyday woman or the woman who's interested in pursuing running? Like how has that shifted their understanding of themselves and their um, place in society, if at all? Does that have any kind of effect on it? Um, So it was really interesting to talk with a lot of people, but it was a big adventure for sure. (laughs) I really really appreciate Teddy's family and everything they did to help me feel
1: um safe and comfortable and welcome. So so generous, yeah, really great. So when did you first end up going to Bacoji? Cuz it sounds like this first trip was in Addis.
0: Yeah, most of it was I traveled, so at the time girls got around had a program in Debark, which is up by the Simeon Mountains, which is pretty far north. Um and then I went to Acela, which is near to Bukogi, uh, and they were having a, a big race going on there. Um, I think it was Aromia region, which is where all of the the majority of um, Olympic runners have come from in Ethiopia. There's definitely some runners from other parts of the country, so shout out to them. but. Um, Romeo produces like just so many athletes that this particular race is huge because if you can get past this race, then you're like the best of the best, you know, and then you go on to compete in Addis and then maybe internationally. So it was a big race. Um, and At the time, there wasn't a paved road to Bokoji. It was a dirt road, and it was kind of rainy season, so it was totally washed out. So the Bokoji team had managed to get to cella. So like Coach Sentayu was there, and um, I'm going uh, with some of the sports department people um, to this event, and they're like, oh, your brothers are here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> like, I have one brother and he's definitely not here. Um, and so I'm like, oh god, like what is gonna happen? Um, so I get to this track, you know, in a dirt track at the time. They have a really nice track now. Um, but I'm there and it's all like Ethiopian athletes, and then there's this one white dude. And they're like, it's your brother. Of course. (laughs) I'm like, who is this person? But it turns out it was Jerry Rothwell, who's the um, director of the Town of Runners film. And they were filming along with Dan, who is um, uh, Ethiopian-British. And so he was there, too. And they were working together. And... Ended up like hanging out with them, and so they were doing their whole filming, and um, they filmed for like over several years. So this was like a piece of it, and then they ended up driving us back to Addis, um, which was so much fun, and it was really great to meet them. Um, But that was kind of like my first introduction to the whole Bakoji group. I didn't make it out to Bakoji on that particular trip. It wasn't until. A few years later, maybe like three years later, um, that I would go to Bokoji and spend more time there. But I got to meet like the full athletics office and the coaches because Town of Runners was specifically working with the Bokoji athletes. So they were really connected with that whole scene. Um, Really great guys working on that. So it was a fun intro because then later when I did go to the Bokoji, they're like, oh yeah, that random chick that was... At the race, like interviewing people and like, why were you there? You know, just the whole thing, you know, it's a funny community to stay connected with because it can be kind of random how you meet people if you continue to come back, you know? Um, well, I mean, how we met was kind of random exactly. Even. But then it could have just been a one-off time. But the fact that you keep coming back to this work or location makes it – really interesting, you know, because you start seeing like, oh, I guess that wasn't a random interaction. That's going to be someone who I'm working with now, you know? And so it was funny um, because Coach Sentayo has such a legendary um, background working with Olympians and he's such an incredible community organizer and just a legend um, in Ethiopia and beyond. And so I knew a lot about him, but when he met me, I was 19, you know? I mean, it's just really funny thinking about, like, the uh, different perspectives on that, you know, to come back later and start working on it was a lot of fun because you have that history with people um, and you get to just have a genuine uh, relationship with them, talking about, like, okay, what can we work on and what kind of challenges are there, and, you know, it just comes from an honest – more of an honest genuine dynamic i guess because of the funny nature in which you meet people sometimes
1: <laughs> totally <laughs> yeah you know. and there's like a respect that people saw from you being like wow this woman keeps on coming back to work in this space and in this area and that builds respect and trust right i think i think time
0: yeah definitely time and just um perseverance in that uh just continuing to show up and the longer you continue to show up the more value is added you know and the more that you're able to do and then that helps to cultivate more trust and then you can do more with that and then you deepen that trust and it really like starts to build um the foundation of things that are needed in order to work on the kind of projects we're working on, you know, and to make deep or to create opportunities to create, to make deep change. You really need community trust all around, you know, um, because everyone's contributing to it. And so if someone feels like they're putting too much in and they're not getting enough back from it, that reciprocity isn't there, then it can be really hard to move forward with any kind of programming or, um, development or anything like that. So it's important to have those consistent, positive, even, and you know, what, it doesn't even need to be positive. It just needs to be open. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be open communication because we've had a lot of challenges in the community, in communication, you know, in life. But I think that, If you have that trust, you're able to build out solutions um, that benefit everyone, you know. So it doesn't necessarily have to be positive. But I do think that time um, just continuing to show up through the thick and the thin is something that's just helped us so much. And it's been fun having the opportunity to do that, honestly, because it's not everyone gets that opportunity to continue to show up.
1: Um, So it's cool when that's available, you know. How you've created the program of Girls Gotta Run Foundation in Bokoji in particular, it's extremely multifaceted. You know, there is the running component, but there's the education component and mother savings groups and healthcare. How did you actually like put all of this into action? I feel like you are such a mastermind. And when did it kind of, (laughs) the form that it's in now, when was that born?
0: Because from hearing
1: from it being like donating shoes from when you first Mm. saw the organization to what it is now, like you've built an empire. Wow, thank you. <laughs> um wow, yeah,
0: thank you. Um It has been such a process uh building the program out because yeah, when it first started, I mean it had a really humble mission, Girls Gotta Run. It, you know, was founded by retired women's studies professor, and she saw this article in the Washington Post about how girls were trying to become professional athletes and were moving to Addis to, like, access better education and better opportunities and professional athletics potentially and as one of the many, like, um, job prospects. And that a lot of them just didn't have the tools that they needed to succeed, you know, um, largely being athletic gear, a very simple thing. And so she felt like you know, the least we can do is just provide some gear for these tenacious girls who are trying to change, create change in their lives. You know, the least we can do is like, you know, pay for them to have gear so they don't have to worry about it. And so it's just a really humble mission. (laughs) And it just completely grew from there because of course, no solution is simple and no process is easy. So it was really, that was just the seed concept. And so when I came on board, we had a couple of different programs, like teams throughout the country. Um, and we would help to fund the establishment of teams of athletic teams with coaches and they would get, um, you know, athletic gear and support for the running component. And then we would do maybe like an educational subsidy or like a food subsidy. But it was all kind of independent of community structure. It was building our own community or building our own team. Um, and then the girls would go back to wherever they were, whether they were living with family or living together or this kind of thing. So it was kind of – um there was just a lot of variables going into these teams, you know, um, and a big focus on professional athleticism, which brought in a a older demographic. So we were looking at girls who were interested in pursuing university or had dropped out of school or were looking to go back to school. Some of them were in school still, um, but we had a more diversified portfolio around educational achievement at the time. So, those are kind of like the demographics. Um, and honestly, we were having some good results. Like some of these teams, you know, some of the girls were doing well going into school. A lot of them, we were doing really well um, with girls avoiding early marriage through their pursuit in sport and education. So we were having some um, wins, but I felt like Through my research and listening to girls talk about the challenges they were facing and why they were pursuing sport and when they were pursuing sport, um, I felt like we could do better. And I felt that we could better invest our funds, the small funds that we had, to leverage greater change. So... Being a grassroots organization, we've had the challenge and the opportunity of having having limited funding. And so you really have to put your money towards things that work, and you have to find out if they're working very fast, because you do not have time to waste money on things that don't work for people. So that really began with destroying all of our programs. So... I came on board with Girls Gotta Run um, after college and everything. And um, I left a job in L.A. I was working for the mayor's office, working on um, gang violence reduction and youth development in L.A. And that was a really great job. Um, and it had come to a close. And I was thinking about continuing to pursue, you know, that field, Um And I just wanted something more creative that I could dive into and moved out to New York with um, some friends and stuff and was looking for different opportunities. And that's when Girls Gotta Run was looking to like level up into an organization from an all volunteer one into one that could really support program growth and staff growth and everything. And I thought that was a really cool opportunity. So when I was coming on board, um, I was looking at our programs and realizing we're just not maximizing our impact and we're not a program that I feel could is, is our best version that I personally want to get behind and pitch to people, um, that I feel passionate about. I think we can do better, you know? And that's when I went to Ethiopia, maybe a year or two after being in New York, um, and started talking with community members about what kind of program do they want, you know, and when does that need to happen? And who does that need to happen with? If we're looking to, you know, invest in girl change makers through running an education, how do we find girls who are looking to create change? How do we reach them? When do we reach them? Um and what do they need? And who else needs to be supported around them to open doors for them um, or hold the door open <laughs> uh, until they can run through it, you know? Um, so these were kind of, like, a lot of the questions. And so in the beginning, it was really asking the community members, like, what can we do? Um, and at the simultaneously ending our program grants for other teams So there was a brief period in time where we actually had no program at all, which was maybe some of the most terrifying times of my life. (laughs) It was very brief, um, but I don't think our program partners were, like, super thrilled to have a young woman come in and just say, like, I don't think we can do this anymore. Um, I got some interesting feedback from that, but I think – you know, sometimes you have to let go of stuff and embrace the hole that's created and hope that you can build something new in that space. Like, you really need the space to create um, something worthwhile. And you can't do that if you're spending money on things that aren't making your investment go as far as possible. You have to really consolidate that. So, that's the year, I think it was 2014, that we launched the Girls Gotta Athletic Scholarship Program, which is what we do now. And it was a kind of a beta version of it, but it worked with, we shift our demographic back because we were finding that girls were getting um, married on average around 14 um, in the program locations that we were working on. So, um, you know, with early marriage comes like dropping out of school and, um, you know, early pregnancy and a lot of like, A multitude of challenges more than just early marriage you know and so it was really a time where we clearly needed to work with girls a little bit before that and during that time period and at the time we were mostly working with people around like 18 to 21 so we shifted our whole demographic back to be more proactive um And help girls build a good foundation for the future. And we started working on, you know, education, athletics, and life skills. And that was the three-pronged strategy, trying to invest in girls heavily at the time that they're most vulnerable to drop out of school. And then a few years later, um, you know, I would meet, I met with every family at their home, which was crazy. (laughs) I had families tell me this is crazy. Um, But I would meet with them and our staff at their home to understand what is going on in their family and what are the challenges and opportunities that that family has uh, and how can they reach their goals through the program and like how can we work together to identify and reach those goals um and what needs to change in the program to help us do that and so we were rapidly prototyping it along with getting feedback from the girls we would have um group feedback like collective feedback but then we also had private notes so like every week in life skills um lessons which were run by a female mentor the girls could write anonymous notes um and leave them in a box. And we got a lot of great feedback that way too. So we started changing a few things, like we added soap um, and sanitary pads as part of a hygiene unit because the girls expressed that they needed that. And then we started working with the families on doing a mother savings and entrepreneurship group um, through, we work with like uh, women-backed and led Local organizations to implement our program, and so we we're partnering. People had a lot of experience in entrepreneurship and savings group um, programming for women, and so. We were kind of seeing that, all right, you know, we're working with the girls, but in order to help them su- succeed and sustain this growth outside of the program, we need to invest in the families and the women in the families to be able to build out their businesses so that they have a strong economic foundation um, to help send their other kids to school and support their girl girl children in completing their education. Um, so it started being this four prong strategy, but it evolves, you know, over time. And, um, I think that's been a real benefit to us because of course, not having a ton of money has been a huge problem. (laughs) It's enormously challenging to operate on scarce resources. Um, But the beautiful part of that is that you do the things that matter most and you prioritize them and you really see what matters most when you have a scarcity of resources. And we just didn't have time to have programs that didn't work. So we had to fix them and we had to test them and we had to get feedback. And I think that's been so helpful to co-create quality programming because we have such... Great buy in from the community because they really own the program, you know, and we're helping to fund and to cultivate and bring support for it. But it's really community led, you know, and I think that is where you see the best results ultimately. And having that um, transparency where we're not just dropping in and dropping a bunch of money, like we don't have a ton of money and we're looking for ingenuity and hard work on everyone's part to make it happen. And we've had really great feedback from that, that people are actually surprised um, how effective our programs are and that they've seen other programs that are like quadruple the budget, just have no lasting impact. So they're really inspired that, you know, our budget can make the impact that it's made. I think it's kind of opened people's minds up to like what else is possible you know and particularly with the mothers we've seen them take on so much in the program since we've involved them like they'll make lunches for the girls they started a um, adult literacy course where the moms like go and learn um, financial literacy and like basic tools like um, reading and writing their own name and understanding like small contracts and being able to read the news and everything, uh, with some of our teachers. And these are just programs that like, they've been inspired to work on and we've been here to support. So it's been cool to see, you know, you have an idea and you help bring that forward. But ultimately, when something's co-created, it it kind of just blossoms and grows on its own. And it's fun to watch it take on its own life and grow independently of you or just only girls got to run. Like, this is a real community endeavor. So um, that's the long story (laughs) on that. But I'm just really passionate about the program because I think it's really cool to see women Solve, identify and solve their own problems because women are so resilient and powerful and hardworking and humble and just incredible problem solvers. And they will never quit in pursuing the resolution of the challenges that they find, you know, when given these opportunities. And I've just seen women light up and really come into themselves when given the tools to like solve the problems that they face, you know? And I think that is just so powerful that it inspires so many other people in the communities we work in because they're just so impressed by the capacity to create change in your life. That is a really
1: inspiring characteristic, you know, and capacity to have Well, including yourself. I mean, you, I want to hear a little bit from you about what have been some of the personal struggles you faced in this journey as being the executive director of girls gotta run. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's been an impossible journey. (laughs) I mean, it's gotten done. Um, And I'm a better person for it. Uh, And I've gotten to work with such incredible people. And so many people are behind this. It's not just me. I I get to be the director. And that's been such an incredible opportunity. But, you know, there's just so many people behind it. You know, with the board and volunteers and then our staff in Ethiopia and the community. So, you know, I'm kind of a conduit between people. Um, But... Yeah, this has been an Everest of a journey, and a lot of times I didn't think it was going to work out, um, or I thought maybe I was crazy. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people have thought I was crazy, including my family. Um, But yeah, I mean, because we just didn't have a lot of money to get going with this, and you have to build a program from scratch with the community, which is really challenging, and it's a multifaceted program, so... It's innovative, and doing anything new or innovative um, is hard. It's hard to communicate what that's all about and build trust just to see it through, you know, just to try something and trust that given time, the process will work out. But, um, yeah, I mean, we just built this from nothing, you know, and that is so hard, you know. I mean, I was living – I've lived in crazy conditions in Ethiopia. I have taken, for years, I took the bus everywhere. Not like a private bus, but like a public bus with like chickens and animals and like no seat. And like, it was just wild because we couldn't afford transportation back and forth all the way, um, all the time, as much as I wanted to visit the programs and like be present for that. I've lived in, like, a dirt room next to cows (laughs) and chickens and everything um, in Bokoji, and that was my home for a long time. Um, And I've lived in Addis in, like, these crazy, you know, cement, like, apartments with just, I mean, it's just crazy conditions, and, you know, we've had, like, So many challenges around the government and conflict and then donors, lack of donors, new donors, like all kinds of stuff. Um, But it's been kind of just like through luck and then sheer will, like just sheer will of never giving up and never like being okay with quitting. You so know where does mean? that drive come from inside of you? Oh, man. You know, honestly, um, it would be so great to be like, it's me. <laughs> That'd be so fun. I'm sure parts of it are. Um, it is. But I think, I think also, honestly, there were so many times where I was like, F this. I'm so over it. Like, I'm so over it. This is crazy. What am I doing? This is impossible. Why am I trying? Why am I doing this? Um even just getting the Bokoji program going was like impossible to get the government approval and the stakeholders on board and the funding. And like, I just knew if we had a program in Bokoji, people would come and they would want to support it. And then also the girls would really benefit, but it was like just getting it going was so hard. Um, But I think what really pushed me is I was fortunate to be living in Ethiopia while I was working on this project. And I think um, that pushed me forward a lot because I just saw how resilient the girls and the families were, and that they led their families through such intense conditions, so many variables, and had such peace about it. Uh, You know, always moving towards doing better um, and always trying to create change and and work towards like your goals but also this kind of radical acceptance of it's difficult and that's okay you know what i mean like it is okay we can do hard things it's okay that it's hard you know and that it was almost kind of like a zen meditation (laughs) living in ethiopia nothing is in your control um Things change all the time. It takes forever to get stuff done. Um, Sometimes there's no electricity. Sometimes there's no water. Sometimes there's no, like, petrol for the car. There's no – I mean, it's just the variables that people are living in trying to get stuff done. So much is out of their hands that I think it creates this radical acceptance of this is just how it is today and that's okay. It doesn't mean this is, like, the end. You know, just kind of hold on and keep going. You know, um, and I felt like it just kind of rubbed off on me. It's hard not to be inspired by that. Um, And I think it just, I just wanted to keep going if they were going to keep going. You know, like if they're in this and they're going to be willing to like participate in this program and move forward with it, then like I'm willing to show up too. And I have no idea if it's going to work out (laughs) (laughs) or if it's going to come together, but like we are going to try and we're going to just try our very best. And if that doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But I will know that I gave it everything I had. There is nothing else on the table. And I think that like, after all of the BS that you go through, like people can't take that away from you. And it's really beautiful to share that with a community that, like, we showed up as much as we humanly could, you know. Um, and I think that's just been kind of, like, a thorough line in my life, too, is just showing up for things um, and just trying, you know. And I just don't – I don't, like, really enjoy negativity, Um And I don't enjoy like hearing it's not possible. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I think those things kind of triggered me being like, it is possible, you know, or could it be possible? And what if it was, you know, what if we could do this? And what if we could tell these stories the way we want to and the way the girls want to and they could feel proud about it? And what if we could make a difference with. A little amount of money. And what if we could like bring really great people on board? And I think
1: the prospect of that is really worthwhile, you know? Um, And that same spirit is also a part of the Koji 100, both the relay that we organized and the film we made. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a project. Yeah. How does that project compare to just the work that you've been doing in Ethiopia years after years? Because I feel like it took a lot of perseverance from us to finally be sitting in a place where tonight we're actually going to premiere it.
0: Yeah. I mean, we are premiering our film tonight, just a heads up. (laughs) That's so cool. Oh, I'm so proud. Um, I'm really excited for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it just took so much to get this project going and continuing and moving along. Um, And then to be able to you know, have an opportunity for the girls to have this incredible experience and build this thing in Ethiopia with this international audience and compete alongside them and be equal and, and really like create a running experience for others by them. I think that and for themselves, I think that's just so powerful. And then to be able to share those stories alongside, you know, in this festival we're doing, No Man's Land Festival, it's alongside, like, these largely, like, Western women um, or individuals identifying as women in the outdoor space and to just have those stories side by side and to show that girls are just so capable of so much and they deserve – the space and the time to share their story and to be seen and to be heard. And I think that um, being able to support girls and having a platform like that is just so powerful, you know, and it's just a really great opportunity to be able to do that. But honestly, the Bakoji 100 was crazy. Like, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this show, but- You can swear. It was so crazy. Oh my god. Um I mean because basically, you know, like we've known each other for a long time. We met in Ethiopia. Um which is so funny. That's a whole other story, but um you know, you call me up and you're like I want to do um like a film project and I want to help girls tell their stories, you know, and I want to bring these stories of running and women and all of this from um, Ethiopia and that experience that we've had there and kind of like how can we create a platform to help girls like share their stories through this medium. You and this know? was 2017. This was a long fucking time ago. Um, it is not 2017 anymore. I still remember the street corner I was on taking that phone call because you called me and I'm like, love it. Great idea. But also – What if we did something where the girls could have their own experience and they could have that forever and they could share their stories? Because I've really struggled with seeing, you know, Western media come and almost like take the stories of the girls and then get out and share it as their work. And the girls, what did the girls receive? in return for sharing their story where are they in this whole process you know and i think that storytelling you know in the future needs a lot more like consideration and reciprocity and responsibility to the communities that these stories are being taken from and i think like with this you know this was a great opportunity to be able to provide an experience with the girls that would be film worthy you know um and that was kind of the small seed concept um and at the time i thought it'd be a great idea to do a relay <laughs> an ultra relay and um yeah it's so great how easy ideas are <laughs> ideas are so fun and then you do them and it's crazy uh and so challenging so, yeah, so we have kind of hatched this idea of why don't we do an ultra relay first ever where the girls are running it? Because they're such incredible athletes and they know the area and they could lead this whole thing. And, you know, why don't I go to Ethiopia and see what the girls think of this concept um, and how they want to build it out and what do they You know, feel about it, and that was really where it kind of started to come together. Is in those conversations with the community members of how would we do this? Is this something that you guys are interested in? Like, how would the girls organize it? You know, what do the girls want to do? What's the distance the girls want to do from where? Like, you know, because a lot of the girls don't have the freedom of mobility. Like, they don't get to go on vacation. They don't get to go to the Bali Mountains where we started. They don't get to travel in a car. Yeah, a lot of them get very sick being in cars for a long time because the girls just don't have experience doing that, you know. And so it was really um, so much more about just independence and this, like, freedom to just be a girl as an equal participant in this, like, huge endeavor that we were taking on. Um you know, it ended up being, it's a hundred miles. We're going through like massive elevation gain and loss through the mountains, through this like deserty like farm area, and then back up into Bakoji. And we're running with like international athletes and local athletes. And then it's dark at the end. And like we have headlamps and we have a police escort, and I had to get permission from multiple zones to let us pass through and, like, had to get all this paperwork. And and then on top of that, you know, we had to, like, fundraise. We went through, like, multiple fundraising concepts for this film, a lot that didn't work out. Um, and I felt like, you know, before we pulled the trigger on actually doing this relay, there was kind of a moment where we're like, maybe we should just quit.
1: Oh, I had that moment. You know? I remember I tried to send you an email getting out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, maybe we should just not. I had that too. I was like, maybe we just close this. You know, it's just not going anywhere. It's not worth it. You know? It's like, maybe it's just not meant to be. You know? And then it was summer. What was that? Like a year and a half ago now?
1: Summer. It would be summer
0: 2018. Yeah. Yeah. That was the summer where I was just like, you know what, this is a really like great thing and a bad thing about me, but I said I was going to do this, I'm going to fucking do it. And that was that. And it was like, we said we were going to do this and I'll be damned if we don't do it. (laughs) And I was almost damned. (laughs) So it was like... It was a full force coming at me. Um, Wow. Who would have thought? Um, But yeah, so that summer just decided there is no turning back. We're doing this. And that's when I got you connecting me with Zoe. Wow. She is an all-star. Okay. So after we connected with Zoe, it was just like, this is on. Like, we are doing this, you know. And I had no idea how it was going to go. I had never done an ultra relay. I have never even participated in an ultra relay. I have never done an an ultra. I've never done an ultra relay. I have never.
1: restricted. So that was
0: great. Also something I wasn't really like happy sharing with people. It just kind of was like, we can do this. Um, But I figured, you know, how hard can it be? So yeah, so we just started putting all the logistics together. And then that's when it was kind of like, okay, we're going to do this whole thing. And then people started, and we, you know, we started talking about it to people and people were on board. They wanted to do it, you know, and a lot of them, too many people wanted to do it. It started being too many of them. And it was incredible. Like, it was like this outpouring of honestly fantastic humans that wanted to come out and do this thing. And we're like, we want to support the girls. We want to make this happen. We want to be part of this moment. And that they really helped move this whole thing forward, you know, um, and it was just a really incredible outpouring of of just support for this idea, you know, and it was just a really cool way to see ideas come to fruition, and that, you know, there there's always a moment. I've had those moments multiple times where I'm like, maybe we should just quit, and it's usually right before the breakthrough. It's right before the thing happens. And it's almost like a question of, like, are you, like, willing to do this? You know what I mean? And I had that before we launched the Girls Got Around Athletic Scholarship Program um, where I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think we can do this. I don't know how this is going to happen. Maybe I should just quit now, you know. And then that program got it, you know moved forward. I had that right before the Koji program started and like right before this, you know, thing and I think if you can like push through those moments and just say yes, you know, like I can do this or um in this case, I'm not taking no for an answer. And I don't care if I have to run 100 fucking miles myself. We will do this. You know what I mean? And it was just one of those things where it was like there's n- there's no turning back. You know? And I think that was also how I felt, you know, the morning of the relay. I You know? And we finally we get all these people. And we're having this beautiful trip. And the girls are having a fantastic time. And we, of course, got all the resources. Like the health kits and the police and the ambulance. And, like, I mean – just because, you know, we I haven't, like, run a relay doesn't mean that we don't, like, understand. And I think, actually, it was beneficial because the girls hadn't run it either. And so we were kind of, like, co-creating the Ethiopian, quote, strategy for an ultra relay, which is definitely not your American Western relay. Like, this is not – there's no, like, granola bars, you know. There's no, like, food, that was a problem. <laughs> there was no lunch. There's no food. Like, I mean, there's just so much going on. Um, but it's the morning of the relay and I wake up and it's like, I don't know, three in the morning or something. And Zoe's next to me. Um, and we're sleeping quote, quote, and I wake up and I'm like, Oh my God. I think I need to change the relay format. Like, I think we need to change some stuff. What are we going to do this whole thing? And I'm like, just thinking about it. And then finally our alarm goes off and we both pop up and we turn to each other and we're like, I think we need to change the relay format. And I'm like, I know, I've been thinking about it too. And so it was like the day of we're changing it and like moving things around and just to to help the girls feel most supported and like to help us get across this distance with as much support On each person as possible, you know, and just trying to manage all that um, and the teams and the food and the timing and everything. And then finally, you know, we're looking, Zoe and I are looking at the paper with the plan on it and it just kind of goes quiet. And we're looking at it and we're like, holy shit, like we're doing this, like right now. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna leave this room. And we are going to do this, you know? And that's kind of when I turn to Zoe and it's like, you know, no matter what happens today, we are in charge and we will get to the end. And I don't know what's ahead, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully it's positive. (laughs) I anticipate many problems (laughs) because Ethiopia and also ultra relays. Um, But like, we need to show up this entire day. You know, and it was one of those things like some days go by really fast, you know, and this day went by pretty fast, too. But it was like every minute was a new moment in that day, you know, and it had its own. Fears. I mean, my first fear was that like baboons were going to attack us because we were running through a national park. That was like my one, that was like fear number one is that we're going to be assaulted by baboons. And I was just really stressed about that. <laughs> and luckily, that's not a time that they're like feeding and stuff. But I mean, it's just these kind of things like every mile of that relay had a challenge, you know? And like, I think personally that the people on that relay made that whole thing happen. And to see them every leg, everyone would stop, cheer everyone on, and then drive to the next leg. And while people were running and supporting, running, and people ran multiple legs and like supported, and like it was just such this incredible outpouring of of everyone deciding in the morning, today I'm showing up. You know, and I feel like you could just really see that. And it was so incredible, you know, and yeah, it was just a really impressive moment. And then to be able to have that as, like, a story, to be able to tell that that piece of the story where, like, the girls really get to have their equal time and to show what they're good at and what they're proud of and to, like, share their culture and and use their voice. And I just think it's so powerful, you know. But it was such a huge Project moving everything along. And I, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, but I really think, you know, our small team organizing this was like, it was like a relay effort itself because there were times where I just couldn't pull it. I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't. I could not work on this project anymore. It was like, I am working on Girls Gotta Run stuff and there's so much going on and like, I just can't pull this part of the leg. And that would be like the leg that you pulled, you know, making like, you know, funding happen or, like, festivals happen or filming. I mean, it was, like, so many things, you know, and, and, like, so many pieces of this. Like, we did, you know, a project before trying to scout this relay, you know, and we went out with Claire Gallagher and Abby and, like, had this whole – time you know with our film team our fantastic film team that we've worked with this whole time and we were all working together like figuring out how is this going to work you know and there's just so many people that pulled for their part of the leg you know um to make this happen and like not everyone got to be in the relay and not everyone got to like produced the film and not everyone got to, you know, there's like so many pieces that not everyone was part of, but everyone made this happen, you know? And I think that's just part of what's so powerful about it is seeing the immense contribution that so many individuals have made throughout this whole process. Like girls got to run board, like volunteers. I mean, it was just incredible. The Bakoji community really came out. Even the Bali mountain sport department came out. I mean, it's like, wild thinking about everyone who had hands on this project. So I think it's really exciting to have something that, you know, we can share with the girls and they can share with the world about, you know, what they want to tell people about their lives and their community and their experience doing this. Um, So it was just... I'm really thankful for everyone who brought this forward because without them, we just would not be able to have done any of this. Um, And I think that's just kind of how it goes with any major project. Um, But this was a big one. Like this was a huge project um, to try and make happen because you think about it too, it's not just this, but the capacity for us to be able to do a project like this took years you know, of community building and like for the community to take this on is like a reflection of how strong they are and how strong we are working together. So it really was just so many pieces coming together. But yeah, I'm really excited to get this out. I'm really thankful to you for like trusting me and trusting Girls Guy Run with this very important like seed concept because I think – Um. I think like we were saying, ideas are great, but making ideas happen is rare and you need to find the right people to give this like sacred idea to, you know, and for them to hold space for that and to actually take it seriously and to make it happen is a very rare thing, you know, and I think that. Um, I hope that there are more like ideas that get into the right hands, you know. And it's really beautiful to see those kind of things happen. So, thank you for that.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. thank you. I feel like we could talk for hours, but we actually I know cut off time because we're like we gotta get to our premiere. Um, I know, Oops. but I, we'll, cl- <laughs> we'll close it up with just curious about what is next for Girls Got to Run mm-hmm. and you right now. Great. What's question. on top? Um,
0: like a lot going on. So one thing is we've been raising money to do an agaro program, which is, would be a new program location in a a really prestigious coffee growing region in Ethiopia. Um, And I think that would be just be a really cool way to integrate into a pre existing economy around coffee in a largely agricultural area that's very similar to a lot of the areas that we work in um, and just bring those cultural forces in Ethiopia coffee running, like women um, all together. Uh, so that's one project we're working on and like excited and looking forward to launching. Uh, and we've had some fantastic partners um, who have helped make our work possible over the years, um, like coming on board to help bring this into fruition. So that's definitely one thing. And just kind of scaling our programs in general. But I think we're also really looking to how can we build our capacity to provide for programming? So like, how can we raise more funding to increase our programs how can we raise funding to enrich our programs and bring bring people on board to help with that process and kind of what is our legacy for the future and how can we sustain that so what resources people community do we need to bring together to continue what we're doing and and grow it you know for the long term so kind of thinking you know we've had really good luck and good um, fortune with our programming and with the partners we've been working with and how can we just build upon that and make sure that that is sustained but that we get to work with more people and you know every day we have people wanting to join the program and wanting to launch new versions of it in different locations and how can we grow sustainably and keep you know what's important about the organization, how can we sustain that part of it? So that's kind of the future is looking to do that. Um, Yeah, and hopefully more interesting projects, you know, um, around like the filmmaking and trips to Ethiopia um, and new like fundraising models and ways for people to engage with the organization, whether that's in Ethiopia or abroad. So I'm hoping we can become more accessible to people that want to be involved with us, you know, we've had such like limited capacity to be able to manage volunteers or um, contributions, you know, um, and I'm hoping we can expand that so that people can really um, feel connected with the organization
1: and the work that we do. So. Kayla, you are unstoppable. <laughs> You're amazing. <Thanks. laughs> and I'm so grateful that we got to talk. Thank you.
0: Thank you for chatting with me. I've always loved the podcast and I've loved the guests and I love obviously working with you, but it's been really great seeing this podcast evolve as well. So I'm honored to contribute to it. Thank you for having me.
1: Anytime. Isn't Kayla amazing? It was a joy to get to explore more of her story, how she's led and transformed the lives of thousands of mothers, families, and girls through the Girls Gotta Run Foundation. Since we recorded in early March, Kayla has also publicly announced that she'll be transitioning over the course of the next few months from being the executive director of Girls Gotta Run Foundation to the board of the foundation. Kayla will still be deeply involved but ready to share her incredible experiences and knowledge in a new chapter. We're so excited also to premiere our film, The Koji 100, online and hope you'll join us on Wednesday, June 3rd, Global Running Day. And the details for the event, which will include a screening, a Q&A with us as the filmmakers, will be posted on Girls Gotta Run's website, on my Instagram, so stay tuned. If the conversation with Kayla resonated, let us know on Instagram. And please do follow Girls Gotta Run Foundation and support the amazing work of the organization in any way that you can. If you have a friend or a family member who you think would dig today's conversation, also please share it with them. Nothing beats word of mouth. And I hope you will join me and the Roo community for a live Roo Roundtable podcast conversation for the remaining Thursdays in May. All info for that can be found at runninganome.com slash events. Okay, so you know that I read every iTunes review, right? Every iTunes review that's written, I take your feedback to heart. And here in the outros, I feature a listener review. And if it's your review and you reach out to me after hearing it, I'll send you a little something. So on May 1st, the Boston Yogini wrote, authentic and heartfelt conversations, combining fitness and the inner landscape. I've recently enjoyed the episodes with Molly Seidel and Janet Stone. I am now subscribing. Thank you. Thank you, Boston Yogini, for writing a review. Pretty neat that we actually live in the same city, and I'm honored that you tune in. Please reach out to me at runninganome at gmail.com with your address so that I can send you a little something. Leaving iTunes reviews are a huge help in spreading the word about the podcast, and I thank you if you've already done so. Also, a huge thanks to the incredible podcast team that actually makes this podcast a reality. That's Nick Errol for podcast management, Tim Briggs for design, John Summerford for audio production, Caitlin Marie Minor Ong for illustration. Thank you to this team. Thank you, yes, you for listening. Lots of love and gratitude. <laughs>